SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Underdog Podcast here on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. Uh, Joe Lonergan here with you talking to you once again about CUSA and uh, Eric Henry, our good buddy, a little under the weather this week. So we have another one of our fabulous uh, Underdog Dynasty contributors filling in for him. Uh, Mr. Steve Helwick, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing excellent. Glad to be here for the first time. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, got a, a full slate from last week to dig into, starting with uh, the Moonshine Throwdown, Western Kentucky falling to Marshall 38-14. to uh, Solid day for Grant Wells in that one, 16-22 of 22 for 162 yards. Brennan Knox doing what, uh, you know, I think exceeding expectations really in that game, 15 carries for 107 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, so meanwhile, Western Kentucky drops to 1-3 as Marshall improves to three and oh uh steve what'd you make of this game i thought it was pretty uh expected that's almost i almost hit the nail on the head on the score in my preview i said 38 to 17 marshall wins 38 to 14 but it wasn't even that close of a game brendan knox dominated the first half that was his first ever three touchdown game i know brendan knox has done a lot of stuff over the years but he's still making his own personal history in this game and Western Kentucky really had no answer for the run in the first half. But another thing I saw was Tavante Beckett, three fumble recoveries by one guy in a single game is absurd. And he had that final one for a touchdown in the third quarter. And the game was essentially over at that point. And WKU finally put uh, Tyrell Pergrome on the bench and put Kavaris Thomas in, who kind of gave them a spark at the end, but the game was already decided. And now I think we really have to get to the point where we're talking about undefeated Marshall in this USA season because they have not been challenged yet. I mean, they beat App State 17-7, to but the Thundering Herd were comfortably ahead that entire game, it seemed, just because App State couldn't get anything going on offense. Yeah, exactly. And uh, on the Western Kentucky side, you mentioned the fact that Kavars Thomas uh, came in and filled in for Tyrell Pigram in this game. Uh, what do you think that says about their quarterback situation moving forward? Or is this just a matter of let the young guy get some uh, playing time when uh, it's already out of reach? Well, I think it might be a little bit of both. Tyson Helton had success by changing quarterbacks last year and finishing the season with Ty Story. And that worked out very well for WKU. They had nine and four record and they were re they seemed invincible toward the end of the season with story and at quarterback so i think he would like to see what he has out of thomas and if that quarterback change is necessary again but i think going forward uh, against uab i think uh piggy's still going to be the starter in this one but kavars thomas uh, he did a lot of piggy things he led the team in rushing yards and which he has done, which uh, Tyrell did in each of the previous three weeks, and he had that late passing touchdown in the game. So he had a solid outing, but I think we'd have to see him against a first-team defense more of later in the game and see how he reacts to a high-pressure situation first before putting him in as a starter for full time. 
Which certainly makes sense. We haven't seen a lot of Kavaris Thomas, uh, barely at all, really, since he got to WKU, which is interesting considering how highly uh, touted of a recruit he was and what that meant for the program at the time. But uh, Western Kentucky, regardless, still 1-3 and three to start the season, which is not how any of us really thought they would uh, begin the 2020 season, pre-pandemic anyway. Um, but with that, let's talk about BYU beating UTSA 27-20. to 20. Uh Personally, I thought uh, the number 15 Cougars um, had a little more of a game from the Roadrunners than I was personally uh, imagining here. But uh, I've said it before, but Zach Wilson, I think he's one of the more NFL-ready guys in the G5, if you consider BYU the G5. I do, but regardless. Um, He was on fire in this game again, 22 of 30 for 292 yards and two touchdowns on the uh, BYU, or rather on the UTSA side. We saw uh, Lowell Narcisse uh, play uh, for Frank Harris, who didn't see a ton of action, 7 of 13 in this one with an interception. And then uh, Narcisse got two touchdowns on uh, 229 yards through the air. And uh, a very quiet day for Sincere McCormick, just 11 carries for 42 yards in this game. But um, Roadrunners, after a really solid start, uh, unable to kind of get the job done against BYU. But I think a lot of people didn't necessarily expect them to to win this game regardless. So you have to wonder if it's kind of a uh, – not a throwaway game, but, you know, I think it's sort of a moral victory when you're playing as, as talented of a team as BYU has right now. That did feel like a win for UTSA. I thought it was already felt like a win for UTSA when they ended the first quarter 3-0. to zero. They were the first team to even have a lead over BYU this year. And if you look at BYU's past scores, what they did to Navy, a, a Navy team that finished in the top 20 last year, what they did to Louisiana Tech, what they did to Troy, all solid teams, and BYU crushed them all. So I was kind of expecting more of the same against UTSA in Provo, but UTSA's defense looked excellent this game. And they they kind of did last week against UAB, the week before against UAB as well. And that's a vast improvement over the UTSA we saw giving up deep passes to Texas State uh, in that week one matchup. So I think you have to give the Roadrunners a lot of credit in that regard. The rushing game left a lot to be desired, but Lowell Narcisse coming into the game and completing 85% of his passes against a BYU defense that didn't allow more than, uh, what was it, 10 points going into that game. I-, I think you have to give a lot of credit to the Roadrunners for putting up 20 on the road on this BYU defense that Kalani Sataki has coached so well this year. And the fact that it was a long shot at the end, but the Roadrunners almost had a chance to tie it if they didn't rough the punter. But it was still just an impressive performance for UTSA, and it's really something to build on going forward, especially when they have a more winnable game against Army this week. 100%. And uh, the uh, positive momentum kind of continues for UTSA heading into next week, but we'll get to that game in a bit. Uh, Speaking of things to build on, Middle Tennessee getting their first win of the season last weekend against FIU, who dropped to 0-2. But... Asher O'Hara's team, 1-4, and 1-2 and two in COSA play after a 31-28 win. Uh, O'Hara himself, 268 yards through the air with two touchdowns. He went 23 of 42. And then on the ground, 23 carries for 106 yards as well. Uh, so, I mean, he was... Asher O'Hara was peak Asher O'Hara in this game, but you know, if you're FIU, I think they were expecting a little more out of their team, but uh, ultimately it was, it was just a little too far out of their reach with the three point loss there. 
Yes, I was impressed to finally finally see Middle Tennessee get the win. I did not think they would come out as flat in 2020 as they did. And a lot of it has to just do with uh, giving up a lot of sacks, poor ball security. I mean, Asher O'Hara only threw eight interceptions a year ago. He's already at seven this season, threw two against FIU. But the team persevered, and he had that nice touchdown drive, a long touchdown drive that ended up in Jaron Pierce's hands in the end zone to give Middle Tennessee that victory. And that confidence is what we need to see from O'Hara going forward. I mean, he's been shaken up, rattled, turning the ball over a lot this year. But to see him string together a drive like that is is a promising sign for Middle Tennessee. And it's a very deflating one for an FIU team that has lost two games to teams they probably should have beat just by a combined five points this year, falling to Liberty earlier this year than Middle Tennessee. So FIU is definitely – this is probably going to be the worst season that we've seen under uh, Butch. So FIU really needs to turn things around. They're kind of looking like the new Middle Tennessee after that. Uh, heartbreaking loss at home last week. Nowhere to go but up after an 0-2 start there. Um, but I think one team that's exceeded expectations in this uh, early part of the year for sure has been the UTEP Miners. Uh, they're not able to get it done this week against Louisiana Tech. Bulldogs winning that one 21-17. Uh, so Tech 3-1 to start the year. UTEP 3-2. and two. Uh, Still a, a way better start to the UTEP season than I think a lot of us were expecting as uh, Gavin Hardison throws for 206 yards and a touchdown in this one. Uh, but ultimately Tech just able to have a little bit more juice at the very end of this game in order to uh, get the victory there. But what do you think of the Miners in their season so far, Steve? They only had two wins over the last three years combined, and one was over an FCS team, the other one was over Rice. And this year, they not only had a win, but they had a dominant victory over uh, ULM. And now ULM is starting to look like the new UTEP, the new worst team in college football in the FBS. But UTEP did have two close wins against FCS teams, so there is still a little bit concern in there. But they seem to have gotten over the hump of just getting routed by every FBS opponent that they face as they were able to come within four points on the road and Ruston had a chance at the end with that. I don't know if you saw the the Hail Mary lateral type play they did at the end. I think my favorite juke of all time I saw on that play when the UTEP player, uh, I forget who had the ball, but he faked a pass backward and caused two Louisiana Tech defenders to miss on him. It was a great juke and I highly recommend looking it up if you haven't seen the final play of that game yet. But still, UTEP's defense was what was really keeping them in that game. They had four sacks, 13 tackles for loss, and they were really limiting Justin Henderson in the Louisiana Tech running game. Now UTEP just has to kick things into gear on offense, and they'll be in a lot better shape there. Hardison had another game of – he had a game of under 50% completion percentage, and that is a very hard way to win games in the CUSA going forward, especially when your rushing game only complements you with 60 yards total. So UTEP, defensively, they have it, but offensively, they're still enough to build on and a lot to be desired for the Miners to become a team that finishes with a winning record against FBS opponents. But still, it, this is a step forward for UTEP. Having a 3-2 and two record, I don't care that they've played two FB, FCS teams, but three wins is good progress for a team that needs to learn how to win. Absolutely. A step in the right direction, like you said. And uh, for Louisiana Tech, um, another step in the right direction for them as well. Uh, they improved to 3-1 and one and well on their way to bowl eligibility for uh, yet another consecutive year. 
Um, before we get to the last game on our uh, recap slate, I do want to make note uh, in last week's podcast, we uh, talked a little bit about the FAU Southern Miss game uh, that ended up being postponed due to uh, some positive COVID-19 results there. But uh, as has been said many times with uh, regards to FAU games this year, uh, we're going to have to wait another week to uh, see the Owls in action and uh, Southern Miss get a little bit of a break uh, after Scotty Walden got his first win of the season uh, the the previous week, I should say. And uh, to round out the week six slate, uh, let's talk about Charlotte beating North Texas 49 to 21, Steve. Um, Personally, I thought Charlotte was going to win this game. I thought it would be a little bit closer than it was. We still saw three touchdowns out of UNC quarterback Austin Ani. Uh, But here's the thing. The Charlotte running game was as on fire as I've personally seen it post Benny LeMay. 12 carries, 140 yards on the ground, and a touchdown for Mr. Aaron McAllister. Um, and really, that's the kind of uh, dominance that a Will Healy team needs to uh, really make some noise in CUSA East this year, I think. Yes, it was excellent. And I was expecting a lot out of Trey Harbison this year, who had two back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons at Northern Illinois. Very tough runner over there in the MAC. But then to see Aaron McAllister just burst out for 12 yards of carry in that game was really promising sign that Charlotte has not one but two viable running backs in the post-Benny LeMay era. So they were able to replace their best player since they've jo- their best offensive player since they joined the FBS. They've been able to replace him pretty well with the McAllister and Harbison duo. And Harbison looked really good in that game in that first game against App State, which made me think that Charlotte with Chris Reynolds returning was going to have a good enough offense to compete in the CUSA East this year and compete with the FAUs and maybe even the Marshals of the conference. So I think Charlotte's offense is especially back. Even with Victor Tucker as a receiver, he was held to one catch on last Saturday, but they didn't really need him. But in that FAU game that they almost won, Tucker was pivotal late in that game and almost helped the 49ers pull off the win uh, if they had a little bit better pass protection at the end. But with Tucker, LeMay, uh, with Tucker, Harbison, McAllister, and Reynolds, there's so much offensive talent on the Charlotte team. And Will Healy definitely has his cards in place for another successful season in the CUSA. I mean, he's had kind of tough opponents that he almost beat so far in App State and FAU. But it was promising for Charlotte to play somebody that was well below them and have a nice blowout in Denton. And that's what they did against North Texas with a 28-point victory. Seth Luttrell's team uh, still looking for a really signature moment of the season so far. So we'll have to wait another week for that. Um, With that, then let's talk about week seven and some of the upcoming games for CUSA this week. Uh, UAB hosting Western Kentucky at uh, 1.30 Eastern on Saturday. Blazers favored by 13 and a half heading into that one. I think UAB are the safe pick uh, regardless of uh, some off and on days from Bryson Lucero so far. But uh, Spencer Brown, 86 carries for 450 yards and five touchdowns so far. He has, uh, I mean, he's looked like a lean, mean machine down there in Birmingham but uh, Western Kentucky still trying to find their uh, their groove uh, as we talked about earlier Tyrell Pigram not exactly getting it done so far at QB1 so Tyson Helton looking for some issues there um, but uh, I, I'm personally picking UAB Steve what are you expecting out of this Blazers Hilltoppers matchup here I'm picking UAB as well WKU has 
struggled to contain the run this year. That was something we saw when they went up against Malik Willis on Liberty a couple weeks back, and then we saw it again last week facing Brendan Knox. And when you have a talented rushing threat like Spencer Brown who's posting uh, consistent 100-yard games on opponents, I think that's going to be something that WKU is going to find tough to stop, and I think that will be the primary source of UAB's offense in this game. Also, WKU really doesn't have a rushing game. They, I don't know what happened to Gage Walker this year. He hasn't been getting fed much, hasn't produced as much as he did last year, and the quarterbacks are having to carry the running game every single week. And I don't think WKU's leading rusher this year in a game has had 75 yards. So the Hilltoppers have one of the weaker rushing games in the conference, and they're going to have to rely on uh, Pigrome or if Tavares Thomas is in one of their arms to lead them to victory. I was impressed by UAB's defense against UTSA. I was uh, – UAB looked good early in the early going against Miami also. So I think this game is – Probably a about a two-touchdown UAB victory, maybe even more, considering uh, Spencer Brown could have a dominant day. Couldn't agree more there. And also in the 1.30 time slot on CBS Sports Network, we have UTSA uh, hosting Army. Always interesting when Army heads to San Antonio, given the uh, you know Army population in that town. But I digress. Um, Army favored by seven in this one um, should be an interesting game. I do think Army's going to pull this out, and that's not necessarily a knock on UTSA. I just think Army is having one of the uh, better years of the uh, of the last few, and they've had some good teams in the last decade or so. But I think Army uh, has this one on lock for the most part. Yes, there was a lot going on in the 11 a.m. or noon if you're on the East Coast late last week with Mizzou upsetting LSU, the Texas A&M Florida, and of course the Red River rivalry. But Army in that same slot quietly beat an FCS team 14 to 9. And that result really shocked me because Army against Middle Tennessee scored on every single possible possession except for their final kneel down. And they did something similar to Louisiana Monroe the next week. So to see a team finally go in and stop Army's triple option this year, a team besides Cincinnati, I was I was very surprised. And both UTSA's result last week and Army's result last week made me think that this is a indeed a winnable game for the Roadrunners. But still, I think Army's rushing game will be a little too much for UTSA to handle. And I do think that the Black Knights will get the win. But UTSA's defense is going to be tough, and I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. It's going to be up to the roadrunners, especially Sincere McCormick, to have a bounce-back week on offense to keep up with Army scoring. Totally makes sense, given the running nature of uh, both those offenses. In the uh, 5 p.m. slot on CBS Sports Network, we have MTSU hosting North Texas. Uh, Blue Raiders favored by uh, six and a half, heading into this one with the over-under at 72 points. Um, This one's a little tough to predict, but I think I'm personally going to go MTSU just because after watching Asher O'Hara in that last game, it seems like he's performing at a level that we always knew he was capable of. And he frankly has performed at for most of this season, but it seems like his teammates are finally catching up. And uh, meanwhile, with North Texas, 
not that they've really had any one specific issue so far. It's just, I think they're a little outmatched in terms of, you know, putting Austin Ani up against Asher O'Hara specifically. Ani's got more passing yards, yes, but I think that's just kind of the nature of the North Texas offense. And if MTSU can control the ball and limit the uh, mistakes that they were kind of making early in the season here, I think they can win this game. I think this game is Middle Tennessee's for the taking, given that North Texas has one of the weakest defense in college football this year. Only Ole Miss allows more yards per game. And we saw North Texas struggle stopping anything against SMU a couple weeks ago. And on their opening game, they almost allowed 40 to an FCS team. So North Texas's defense is especially of concern here. We saw it again last week against Charlotte, allowing 49. I think Asher O'Hara and Middle Tennessee can capitalize on that as long as they're not making mistakes and and not turning over the ball. I think Middle Tennessee can win this game pretty easily. Uh, North Texas has one threat that I would watch out for, and that's Jalen Darden. He had 244 receiving yards and three touchdowns last week, but still that wasn't enough to keep his team within four touchdowns of Charlotte. But Darden is a very talented receiver that Middle Tennessee will need to watch out for. Otherwise, I think Astro O'Hara gained confidence from that game-winning drive. Last game, Middle Tennessee just needed to see one win, and then they're going to start coming and coming for the Blue Raiders. Fair point. And uh, in the 6 p.m. time slot, also on CBS Sports Network, uh, we have uh, Louisiana Tech hosting Marshall. Um, Marshall favored by 13 and a half here. I'm also picking the Thundering Herd. Uh, like I mentioned before, been really impressed with Brendan Knox, been really impressed with uh, with Grant Wells. Tech playing pretty well so far, but I just, I'm that impressed with uh, what the Thundering Herd are doing right now. I think they're my pick to win that division so far. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to be on full display in Rust in this Saturday. Yes. Marshall's now my CUSA pick preseason it was WKU but that I think that changed after watching one half of Grant Wells this season just because I wasn't sure how Marshall would replace Isaiah Green at quarterback but now what I've seen out of Wells and he didn't have a great game against App State but he's bounced back from it since uh, in that Western Kentucky game and with Brendan Knox on the offense a lot of deep threat receivers and Talit Keaton, Brock Thompson, Willie Johnson on this team and then of course Xavier Gaines who has one of the best sets of hands of any tight end in the country and can line up all over the field. This Marshall team's really complete on offense, and I think they are on defense too. They had seven passes uh, deflected last week. Then you have Tavante Beckett forcing and recovering a lot of turnovers. I don't think there's a glaring area of weakness on Doc Holliday's team, so I'm not going to pick against Marshall until they prove me otherwise. And I think they'll run Louisiana Tech run over him just like they did against WKU on the road last week. I think this will be a clear Marshall victory on Saturday. And then uh, moving on to another team within uh, CUSA West that we were just talking about uh, UTEP hosting Southern Miss at 7:30 Eastern on ESPN two uh, golden Eagles favored by uh, five and a half heading into this one. Here's the thing. I'm picking UTEP for the upset for everything uh, for every reason, rather that we were just talking about. I'm really impressed with how they've started the season. Uh, Southern Miss, you know, they, they kind of started to get it back on track two weeks ago prior to their uh, game against FAU getting postponed. Um, but I really think UTEP have momentum on their side right now. I think Southern Miss just have one too many holes and uh, we're going to see UTEP take uh, one step closer to bowl eligibility as weird as that is to say in 2020. 
every team is bowl eligible, I believe, this year. So it's just a matter of filling the 78 current available spots. But Southern Miss, they needed that win against North Texas, especially with an interim coach. And that was more of the Southern Miss I was expecting to watch this season. Now, they had a lot of opt-outs this season, especially on the defensive line and then some skill positions on offense. So that's required new guys to step up. But they're finally fulfilling their roles. Like Frank Gore Jr. had 130 yards against North Texas. Jason Brownlee had 110 receiving yards. And I think that uh, Southern Miss's players that have stepped up in place of absent players are finally getting into a groove momentum and they're buying into their interim coach after Jay Hobson resigned after one game. So I think Southern Miss is going to beat UTEP. I'm not comfortable enough to pick UTEP outright to win a game yet, even though their defense looked excellent against Louisiana Tech last week. But I saw Southern Miss's performance against North Texas, and I'm thinking that this offense is going to be a little too talented for UTEP to stop, uh, led by Jack Abraham. That's fair. Abraham's had a solid season so far, so we'll see if he's able to get it done against the Miners on Saturday in El Paso. And uh, finally, to round out the slate, we have Charlotte hosting FIU at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPNU. Uh, 49ers favored by seven and a half. Uh, personally, I think Charlotte's going to get that done uh, based on what we saw out of that running game last week, combined with the uh, ability that Chris Reynolds continues to show when he's healthy. I think they can beat FIU uh, rather handily. Um, so far, I just look, Butch's squad is just not off to a fantastic start. I was a little skeptical on them to even start the season, but um you know, I, I just think that Charlotte's the better team right now, and that for that reason, we're going to see them win by, I, w- I would think, more than two touchdowns on Saturday. I'm going to say a little closer than that, but Charlotte is going to get the win. FIU has really struggled in the post-James Morgan passing game. Uh, ever since Morgan left, they really haven't got it going in their two games so far. And Charlotte has a clear advantage in quarterback there with Chris Reynolds returning and having another solid performance last week against North Texas. I also think that the run game is going to be a problem for FIU to stop as they allowed 106 yards and two touchdowns to Asher O'Hara a week ago. So I think Charlotte's running backs are going to get that done. And the 49ers will win close just because maybe there'll be some turnovers that FIU's defense will be able to force. They got two picks last week. And I think they might be able to force a few to keep this one close. But Charlotte will get the win and improve to 2-2. Two and two. Fair enough. It should be a really entertaining slate on Saturday. So definitely looking forward to uh, parking myself on the couch and taking in all the action. Uh, hopefully next week, Eric Henry will be healthy as well. <laughs> He'll come off the, uh, the injured report and uh, you'll get to hear his silky undertones next week as well. But uh, thank you so much for listening. Once again, uh, if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the underdog podcast on Apple podcasts. Check us out on Spotify as well. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at underdog dynasty as well. I'm at J O E H I O underscore uh, Steve, where can the uh, listeners find you on social media? You can find me at uh, just search Steve Helwick, H E L W I C K at S underscore Helwick. I'm in charge of underdog dynasties, rice football coverage and rice returns October 24th. So you'll see some owl coverage there. And just one fact I'd like to point out before going is that Rice's ESPN FPI favorites in all six of their games this year. Three and nine a season ago, favorites in six games so far this season. 
<laughs> I know we're looking forward to seeing uh, Mike Bloomgren's squad back on the field. All right, and with that, we'll say happy football watching, everybody. Talk to you next week.